knock on wood, famous last words, but I actually have pretty good wireless in this hotel. This hotel, in uh, I'm in Times Square, and it is Casablanca themed. It's themed after the movie Casablanca, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. They basically have to theme hotels here because the rooms are about the size of everybody's closet. They have to make it look like you know there's something fancy about them. So they what they're lacking on the room, they make up for in the Wi-Fi. Uh, well, not usually, but this one, this one apparently, this one is actually probably again. I know we're going to get cut off like four times now that I've said this. Even from the amount of time it's taken to download things, is the fastest wi- hotel Wi-Fi I think I've ever had. So good for the Casablanca Hotel, which now people can call and prank me on if you put this in the intro. Hey, Georgia football fans! My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode twenty-seven of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Georgia beat Auburn on Saturday 20-13. to It wasn't pretty, but in the South's oldest rivalry game, make that two in a row over the Tigers and eight out of the last ten for the Bulldogs in this series. In this episode, Will, Tony, and I touch on the obvious and how the defense continues to put Georgia in a position to win games. The offense did just enough, and with the key being zero turnovers compared to three turnovers committed by Auburn. The standout of the game? Well... It had to be the human joystick himself, Isaiah McKenzie, as he scored on offense and returned a punt 57 yards to account for the only two touchdowns for the Dogs. There's a lot of football talk, a little bit of basketball talk, and a brief interruption by the maid (laughs) as she tries to clean Will's room while he's talking to us. So sit back and relive the victory on the plains with your favorite podcast hosts. Here's Will to get us started. All right, so Georgia won, you guys. I what? don't. Hey, I, I know. I know you, no, come on, Will. You wouldn't. You Have wouldn't you been get, on Twitter today? Be the <laughs> I was going to say, you would get the sense that, you know, I know I said last week that if just Georgia team, which now seems well positioned to potentially be a 10 win team for the 10th time in the 15 years of Mark Rick's tenure at Georgia, which is insane. They are now well-positioned to do that with a win over Auburn. Now, I was looking over a lot of the post-game commentary on it, and there was this weird overarching sense of, for this team, that everything was collapsing a week ago, or a week and a half ago. Now everybody seems to be mad that they did not blow away this team, who, by the way, I might add, was a preseason playoff pick by many now obviously they've disappointed but there's a sense that like well georgia's talent is obviously so much better than auburn's this team that before the season uh you know talent wise everyone was saying was going to be a playoff team should we i have to say should i feel stupid for maybe actually being kind of happy that georgia won Uh, you're you're asking the wrong guy because i don't (laughs) think you should feel stupid at all (laughs) I, i mean look i you know, there is a faction of the fan base that they use code words like win something or whatever. And what they really mean is win me a title and do it now, and you better damn well win a bunch more after you win that one. You know, I don't know. I, I'm so – look, we won against our oldest rival on the road as an underdog. And we did it while well, not particularly playing great, but we did enough to win. And I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I'm – I'm ecstatic over the win because anytime Auburn loses and Georgia wins, that is a that's a good day. And when Georgia beats Auburn, that's a great day. Tony, Will, did y'all see where Mark Rick showed up this morning? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to get into that. I want to get it. Go ahead, <laughs> go, talk, go ahead and talk about it. Talk about what what Rick did uh, this this morning, or, or more more specifically, uh, immediately after the game. 
You mean Carmen San Diego? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he actually tweeted a picture of him sitting. It looked like a Waffle House or something somewhere in Washington State with Jacob Eason. Jake's Cafe. It was what? Jake's Cafe. It looked like the same cafe that Walter White was at towards the end of Breaking <laughs> Bad, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was having breakfast with the Easons. Oh, I, I guess. I guess Tony and Jacob were there. Well, Jacob was there. He was in the picture. So th- I found that fascinating. There's actually a flight from Auburn to, what, Tacoma or somewhere. I'm sure he took the Georgia plane. But to go cross-country like that says a lot about his dedication. Uh, you know, I think that it's just kind of almost like an in-your-face just to say, hey, guys, I'm out here recruiting. I wonder if things had gone sour uh, on the planes if he would have canceled his flight or not. But, hey, he's out in Washington. I'm sure he's back by now, but that's where he showed up this morning. No, Scott, he missed the narrative. He doesn't care about winning. If he cared about winning, he would have been back in Athens really planning for Georgia Southern. Are there people bashing him for showing up in Washington State? I'm sure there are. Be, I just, it's just, it's, it's risen to a level of just utter dumbness now. It's just, I'm so, it's just so dumb. I'm literally coming close to turning off my Twitter account. because <laughs> I, I've simply made comments about, hey, that was a good win yesterday, and having people, you don't care about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, shut up, please. You know, I started pointing out all the things that he's done. It's like, are you just making excuses? I don't think saying 74% excuses. Those are facts. <laughs> yeah. I lo- I, my favorite part about the Eason thing, by the way, is he didn't tell Eason he was doing it. So he showed up. He showed up and he, he, like said, he, he, he said the teleconference today from an airport. And he said that he woke him up. <laughs> he said he called him and said, hey, let's go have breakfast. Now, I have to say, the one thing that I like about, I would like about high school, if I were a high school football player, is I could, you know, after my game Friday, I could do whatever the hell I wanted on Saturday and not have to worry about my coach yelling at me. The last thing he must have been thinking is, oh, Coach Richt is in town and wants <laughs> to have breakfast with me. I'm, it is impressive. It speaks well to Jacob Eason that he was up and ready to go because I don't know if I would have been if I'd have been in his position. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I think it's it shows a great deal of spirit. And yeah, is it a marketing employee? You damn right, it's a marketing employee. But it's an effective one too. He's out there. It's clear that <laughs> we can get into the game, but it's clear that uh, that Jacob Eason's a future quarterback if we have a future <laughs> quarterback because yeah. <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm going to take those guttural utterances as a description of the quarterback play for the uh, fifth or sixth consecutive week. Again, Lambert has definitely reached the point where we are just so happy if he doesn't turn the ball over. That is actually enough. That is actually perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. If he doesn't turn the ball over, it's fine. But like, we've also passed the point of expecting anything more than that absolute bare minimum. Yeah, and Will, I think speaking a little bit to your point, uh, you know, I thought Lambert looked great the first series, and then he went back to the Grayson Lambert of, oh, please, where are you going to throw the ball this time? We came out with a quick slant, and then we get down, in, which I, I have to, by the way, I have to applaud Georgia going for it on fourth and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. I actually love the play call. But Lambert threw the ball two feet, two and a half feet behind Michael Mitchell on a one-on-one quick slant from, I mean, literally doing the Pythagorean theorem. He was four yards away. You cannot throw the ball behind your receiver at that point. I mean, you can throw it in front of him. You can throw it over him. You can't throw it behind him. One more thing about the offense. We'll complain about them a little bit, and then we'll get to talk about how good the defense and specifically the special teams were. It was definitely strange that I kind of think Georgia has a better set of plays for when it's third and 41 than third and one. 
Yeah, that was one of the things I wrote down last week to talk about is Georgia is averaging just a shade under a yard a play on third and short. Yeah. Which is, yeah. uh, how is that possible? Some of the play calls were pretty baffling too. I gotta say, I didn't. Well, I yeah. didn't really understand what they were. Particularly the 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 shotgun. I didn't really. I didn't really get that. I wasn't sure who they were trying to fool or what was going to go with that. It definitely didn't seem to fit. Uh, even the quarterback or the personnel, even. Well, then yeah, then you run a quick toss to a guy with a broken hand too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you expect what from that? I don't. I don't. I just. I. I have so. I'm just so past trying to figure out what we're doing on offense. Well, Tony, uh, talk I, talk about the positives then. Oh, our defense was baller. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, and then the special teams. It was great to see. Uh, I thought the Jets, by the way, if you want to talk about great play calls, the Jets sweep to a McKenzie mm-hmm. there inside the three-yard line. Yeah. Uh, what a, it was beautifully executed. I mean, just perfect timing, bam, bam play, because you basically you feed off of the halfback dive, which, you know, if anybody in the world was betting, you would have bet. Oh, here comes George with a halfback dive because it's inside of three yards. It's actually well-blocked, too. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell did a great job of isolating this guy on the outside. You know, it, a couple of nice little wrinkles. I love to see Clavon Hicks come in on, on was that fourth down play and just just barrel and bull his way to get a few yards. Uh, and then I, I like the idea of like a jumbo package with him at tailback. It sure would be nice to block some people, I guess. But uh, but defensively, I thought we really would. There was one point up until the uh, until that last uh, Auburn drive where Ricardo Lewis in a, a soul purging karmic play fumbled the ball uh, inside the five yard line. Until that drive, we they had something like 15 yard total offense in the second half, and you you cannot overstate just how well how well Georgia adjusted, Jeremy Pruitt adjusted to to get his guys in the right place to stop their both their run game. Now we were aided some by some Jeremy Johnson esque overthrows. Uh, he had some open guys, he missed missed the throws, but overall you cannot complain at all about the way the defense played, especially after that first drive. Yeah, and they've moved up to 10th in the nation in total D. Yeah. Well, the defense pretty much is the MVP of the season, in my opinion, because after that first drive that Auburn had that we're all just like wringing our hands over the fact they drive 75 yards, score a touchdown, and we're just like, oh, my gosh. And they were running the ball quite effectively. But then the dogs gave up a mere, what, 200 yards after that first drive? And typically Auburn averages just south of 400 yards a game, even having such – the horrible season they are. So Jeremy Pruitt, whatever happened a couple weeks ago or anything, it hasn't it hasn't affected his focus, nor has it affected the defense's focus because they've been pretty much locked down. And so also, you know, the, the key to the game too were turnovers. You know, the thing that Auburn has done well this year has been uh, they they had a plus five turnover margin coming in. They they lost three uh, in that game, and those weren't like just dumb dumb Auburn turnovers a lot of those were forced by georgia georgia definitely felt like the aggressor on defense for a team that frankly on offense seemed to be at least in the running game kind of starting to come around a little bit uh, until that game yeah actually i wrote something about that this morning that the only stat you really need to know was the plus three because auburn has been even I mean, this season you know, whenever they've won it's because they've won the turnover battle and georgia Hey, we got all the bounces for a change, and you know Scott's been harping on that, and rightly so that we we felt snake bit. We gained what sixty or seventy fewer yards than they did. Our offense, if you just look at the numbers, raw numbers, wasn't really that impressive. What uh, two twenty seven or two seventy five? I don't remember what it was. It was it was under three hundred yards. But you know that's what happens when you win the turnover battle by plus three. And that interception was as a beautiful 
step back into the passing lane and go all the way up to the point, the, the highest point and an intercept you'll ever see. It was his Rico McGraw, right? Scott, the, no, it was uh, Malcolm Parrish. It was Malcolm Parrish, that's right. Rico, Rico McGraw is the one that went. Well, Malcolm, Rico McGraw is the one that went all Ronda Rousey with Mike Eckler and lost. <laughs> um, but that was just a beautiful play. And you're right, Will. We, we were the aggressor on defense, and it showed. Hi, hello. How are you? Um, okay. Sorry, sorry. We, we just had housekeeping just came in my hotel. Whoa, whoa. Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't hear a knocking because I have my headphones in. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Okay, well, we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> how about... Uh, how about that special teams? You know, that's been a bugaboo all year. But not only the punt return, but just across the board. There was even a moment when Ramsey w- had that punt deep in his, uh, sorry, future Ray Guy Award winner, Bryce Ramsey, had that play deep. Uh, and Tom Tupa, the future Tom Tupa is how I'm going to refer to Bryce Ramsey. He had the punt deep in his end zone that could have gone disastrous for him and maybe uh, in, in, in earlier this year might have gone the wrong way. This was a game where, frankly, Georgia won in the way that they had been losing some of those early games in that it's a game that you keep close and you have the, and then you make the right plays and, may, and don't and minimize mistake. This was a game where it all went that way. So I was sitting here thinking about, thinking about that. Yeah, I can't argue with that because we have had those special team snafus and even the punt that Marshall Morgan came in and, I'm sorry, Colin Barber came in and, and poked inside the 20. That was just a really nice little kick. It's actually fed right in his strength. I mean, it's a little 30, 34 and a half yard angle kick that, you know, the snarkier among us would have said that he was trying to boom it and shanked it. But I think it was intentional. I say that because it's, we were joking. That's uh, not we, my wife was joking that that was what had happened. But, uh, yeah, I, I, we kicked the ball deep there. They were actually a very good, Coming to the game, a very good kick return team. I think they had one return that went more than 25 out past the 25. I can't complain about the special teams play for a, for a chain. It felt really nice to not be the team that shot yourselves in the foot. Yeah, and that was the first touchdown given up on punt by Auburn in 10 years, for what it's worth. And the other thing that uh, I think a lot of people have been noting on Twitter, Auburn is 2-8 and eight versus Georgia in the last 10 years. Yeah, and also let's not forget in those two years they played for and won a national championship yeah. in one game and yeah. won the next year. I mean, and I'm sorry, played for and lost in the next time. The next time they beat us. So okay, how does everybody feel? Are we in a good place, Scott? You're the guy that me and uh, and Tony have been trying to boost up. Are you feeling okay? Have the last couple uh, games boosted your spirits? Or are you still in in the land of frustration? No, I feel good. In fact, I was on vacation this weekend. I was up in uh, Blue Ridge, Georgia, and I thought about sending a tweet out earlier on Friday evening when I when I got there. It was kind of like an Airbnb place, very nice. But the room that we were in was covered with Auburn flags. Even the shower curtain was Auburn that we were staying in. So I was a little bit nervous, but I decided, hey, I'm going to let go of all my superstitions this weekend and just kind of absorb it and see what happens. And what do you know? We ended up coming out ahead. So yeah, I've I feel a little bit better. One thing, and I hate to change subjects on you so much, but since our last podcast was dedicated about 30 minutes towards basketball, what happened on Friday night? Well, you know, Chattanooga is not not a terrible team. It's certainly a frustrating loss. But Chattanooga got hot from long range. It's the same reason that my Illini lost to North Florida that night. Wonderful start to the college basketball season for me, by the way. Losses at home to Chattanooga and North Florida. Chattanooga is a, you know, listen, they, they are... 
uh, halfway decent team. They actually gave Georgia a pretty good game in Chattanooga last year. But that said, yeah, that's a tough loss. There's no question that's a tough loss. And you know, you could, you sensed uh, a team got hot from the outside. And you know a lot of the guards you wanted to step up a little bit weren't quite there. This is a game that you know, there was it was a heavy foul game. In fact, there was a reason that Turtle Jackson had to take the last shot in that game. It was not really who you would want taking that. It was a rough loss, no question. I still think that this is a team. I would now adjust their non-conference losses to three rather than two, which is what I had projected them before, which is not ideal but is still uh, within uh, range of getting them in the tournament. I think they'll wipe out Murray State next Friday and uh, get back on track. The only thing I would add to that is I was impressed that we seem to have a lot better handle on Mark Fox's offenses, offense, uh, what we want to do. We're still a little slow in our cuts, but you know, it, felt, it felt like we were much more together, uh, and it helps to have the senior leadership, the point guards that we have with, with gain to man, but to me, it felt like a free throw game. It was it was it was very heavily contested, and then on top of that, you shoot fifty what fifty six percent from yeah. free throws. Yeah. I mean, you shoot eighty percent and you win by six in regulation. So, it's while it's by no means good that Chattanooga is going to play in the NCAA tournament, barring something really funky in the Southern Conference tournament. But yeah, still a bad loss, no question. The highlight of that game for no. me, I will say though, my <laughs> son, we could not find his Georgia hat, so we put on my uh, his Cardinals hat. During the game, Harry Dog came down and was playing with my son. And in a game of like peekaboo, took his Cardinals hat and put it on his head. During which time, I snapped several photos of <laughs> Harry Dog wearing a Cardinals hat. And so now I'm I'm converting the city of Athens and the Georgia fan base one mascot at a time. Well, that might not be hard considering the the, the dummy trades that the Braves are doing right now. Hey, you're going to have a great 10-man rotation in six years. It's going to work out wonderful for you guys. Yeah, 2019 is going to be an awesome season for Rome. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I want to kind of close with one thing that you said on Twitter, Tony, that I thought was really interesting. When and we were kind of responding to all the people being upset and all the people being frustrated. You talked about how these kind of wins that aren't flashy and aren't pretty. Talk about how you kind of hinted and noted that that's kind of always been a part of Georgia history is to win games like that. Yeah, it's, it's only in the past few years. And if you think about the first few years of Mark Rick's career, we won a lot of 20 to 13 games where the defense carried us and our offense really looked, and looked stagnant. And, you know, Scott, you, you remember those games. Everybody thinks like David Green was this, this ah, David Green, and he was, he was clutch. And there's no doubt he's a better quarterback than, than Grayson Lambert. But, but... We had an awful lot of games where it was 2013, and the game just really felt like you know it turned on special teams defensive play, and that's what happened yesterday. And that was pretty much 95% of all of Vince Dooley's wins. So I don't, you know, I, I get where people are frustrated. I do get that frustration, um, but by no means do I think the. I still don't feel like the house is falling in. I'm still not happy, but I still don't think the house is falling in. Just to kind of. I guess lead us into the next podcast, which will be coming up later this week. Since we do have Georgia Southern coming up on Saturday night, which I think will be an awesome experience, you know, with the night game at Sanford. No, no mention yet on whether or not they're going to wear <clears throat> black jerseys or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Here's a scary thing that everybody needs to take notice of and really focus on the defense continuing its dominance. 
Georgia Southern, they, they wiped out Troy uh, on Saturday. Troy only had the ball for 17 minutes of that entire game. So we are going to have to make sure that they don't just ground and pound and just nickel and dime us to death on defense, get our defense tired, and then we go three and out on offense. That's what scares me, that we could get on the wrong side of the scoreboard early on and then you know the war of attrition uh, if they did do that. Now, we're talking about different types of athletes um, comparing Georgia Southern to Georgia, but they are 1A now or FBS so they need a decent amount of respect on what they've done during the season so far. There's no doubt the game is losable. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't doubt that. Yeah, I agree. I think that I, I think it's still a game that Georgia should be able to win. But you know, this is not you know, Georgia Southern is. They're not going to throw the ball around, which is the thing that Georgia is really good at stopping. And uh, they've been able to handle the run. But it, certainly, it does feel like you know this is the way Georgia plays now. They don't have, they can't light it up uh, uh, through the air, so they're going to need to uh, to run it down their throats and not make mistakes. And yet that puts you, while it gets you in a good position against teams like Auburn, can also put you in a position where a team like Georgia Southern, if they can keep it close, can pounce on a mistake. But I will let you guys preview that game this week because I am in New York and I will not be there for the preview podcast this week for which I do apologize but uh, uh, if you turn on your Bloomberg if everybody gets Bloomberg television you will see me Tuesday night on the show with all due respect at six, at 5 o'clock Eastern and you'll see me on that show while I should be talking Georgia football I'll, I always try to sneak in a shout out to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast on those shows and I always get real nervous because I'm on live TV and I don't do it. <laughs> do it do it have a code word come up with some kind of code word <laughs> yeah I'll, uh, Let's go. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, I'll say. Listen, the interesting part about Donald Trump, or as I like to call him, future Ray Guy Award winner Donald Trump. No, uh, <laughs> no yeah, that, we'll go. We'll go with that one. <laughs> Honestly, that would be spectacular. That would be fun. That might be. It would definitely confuse Mark Halperin. All right, well, guys. Well, thanks. Uh, 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 good luck without me this week. I'm sure that will be a much more popular show. Uh, I'll be back in time on Saturday for the game uh, against Georgia Southern. My son's fourth birthday. His fourth day, fourth birthday present is a night football game. So that'll be good for him. He's going to hate us all day Sunday. But hey, go dogs! Yeah. Go dogs! Good job, guys. And thanks for listening. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Georgia Sports Blog. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Twitter is always a great way to get in touch with us or to ask us any questions you might have. Our show's Twitter handle is at WSLS Podcast. Tony and I will be back later this week to preview the Georgia Southern game, as Will is on assignment for Bloomberg Politics and won't be able to join us. So, have a great week, and we'll see you on campus this Saturday for the Dogs versus the Eagles.